0: mm mm-hmm. This, this morning, I'm my, the title of my message is Why This Waste? And um, Jesus has spoken that the story of what Mary has done for him in preparing him for his burial, that it would always accompany the gospel. And so my heart's desire this morning is to call everybody in this room to more. It is to inspire you to respond rightly to the Lord with your life and so this passage i'm referring to can be found in matthew 26 and mark 14 this is if you're taking notes you should take notes praise god and in john 12 Um, but i'm going to read it this morning right now out of matthew chapter 26 so as you turn there and find it on your bible app you should know that i want to focus on three types of people today because in this passage there's three characters that i think every person in this room ranks with or identifies with now or at some point in your life and so that's judas that's the disciples and then there's mary and and we want to look at how they all in that moment responded to the lord right we all everything you do with your life is in response To who the Lord is. Is, is Does that make sense? I could tell you that Jesus loves you and that he dies for you and you can respond. You can submit your life to him or you can do what you want to do. Everything in life requires a response and choosing rightly. So we're going to look at what that looks like today through the lenses of these three characters in the Bible. So Matthew chapter 26, starting at verse 6, it reads. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? They asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then one of the 12, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over before I, I, I want to give some context and before I jump into talking about Judas I want to address this alabaster box like what is an alabaster box what makes it so special well an alabaster box is or jar is just it's, alabaster is just a type of stone it's a very soft stone that can easily be carved and pretty things can be put on it but traditionally speaking in the Jewish culture this will get you excited if, you, if, you, if you're tracking with me. When a young lady was coming to the age where she was ready to be married, her family would go and they would get this alabaster jar and they would fill this alabaster jar with oils and perfumes and ointments. And the idea was to have this alabaster jar as heavy as you can make it. So you didn't go and buy... 16 ounce alabaster jar. No, you went and got, you said, give me the biggest alabaster jar I can have because we're going to fill it up. And the idea is the heavier the alabaster jar, the, the bigger the dowry would have to be, right? So if I'm marrying off Cody J, that's my little girl, I want a big dowry. So praise God, because she's worth it. So I'm going to, on my end, do the work and I'm going to put all these It's precious oils and ointments, and I'm gonna make this jar really, really heavy. Well, then here comes a guy who says, "I want you to be my wife," and um, if she accepts his proposal, when she accepts his proposal, she takes that jar and she breaks it open on his feet. So y'all, when you read it, you just think, oh, she did it. So when Jesus went to the cross, the streets, they smelled like perfume and oil. But no, this is, it's, it's intimacy. This is, this is, it parallels with Ephesians 5 when Paul talks about this mystery. I'm talking about a man and his wife, but the mystery is Christ and his church, Christ and his bride. So when we when we read this, I know some of the guys, some of the, the manliest man in here, you're like, I'm not breaking my oil on some dude's feet. I don't care if he is Jesus Christ. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about you are the bride of Christ and he has come and he has purchased you and he has paid a dowry with his life. And so your response of honor to him is to take your jar, your alabaster jar, and to break it open on his feet. So then how does that pertain to us? Because we aren't Jewish. We're we're Gentiles. Well, the alabaster jar is you. It, It represents you. And the oil on the inside, it represents what makes you you. It represents who you are at your core. It is the essence of who you are. It is the entirety of your life. Now, who likes putting on stinky lotion? No, you want your lotion to smell good. Well, here's how you get good smelling fragrance, good smelling aroma. That fragrance is molded by the choices that you make. That aroma, we all are an aroma unto Christ. Second Corinthians chapter two, verse 15, Paul talks about that. You are, are an aroma to Christ. And so when you make a choice, we all have choices every day. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to honor God. Well, then to God, you are the sweet smelling aroma of Christ. There's one thing that smells good to God, and that is Christ. So when I choose to live according to the word of God, I smell like Christ. Well, what do you think so if I don't choose like choose to live according to the word of God? I stink. To God. I I don't smell like Christ to Him. And so, even the Bible talks about Jesus had to learn obedience by the things that He suffered. When you look at the account in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus did not want to go to the cross. He knew that pain and suffering awaited Him. This is why He had to go pray three times. He had to go and wrestle His will to the ground. And He says, Okay, I'm going to make the choice. I'm going to obey and I'm going to go. Why would it be any less for us? I'm gonna make the choice and I am going to obey. And see, obedience is proven by what we do with the choices that are given to us. The aroma of your life, I'll say it one more time, it is molded by the choices that you make, amen? So let's talk about Judas. Here's what Judas represents. Judas represents a believer in name only. Judas represents a believer by association. Now, Judas witnessed miracles. Judas saw many people give their lives to the Lord. Judas raised more people from the dead than any person in this room. He cast out more devils than any person in this room. And here's the truth is Judas was still loved by Jesus. Judas was still chosen by Jesus Judas was never less than The other 12's Judas was still at that table That we see in Matthew 26. I'm gonna read it to you. It says when evening came Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12 God doesn't mince word if he meant the 11 plus the betrayer It would have said that with the 12 and while they were eating. He said truly. I tell you one of you will betray me they very sad They were very sad and began to say to him, to him one after the other, surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The son of man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the son of man. It will be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, surely you don't mean me, rabbi. And See, that's important. And we'll, I'll talk about that here in a second. But what, what blows me away about that account is that no one at the table knew that they had the capacity to betray the Lord. The Bible says to take heed, right? Take heed unless you fall. And so I love the Lord, but I have to come to an understanding that my love for the Lord, it is weak. All it takes is the right temptation. All it takes is, I don't know, I don't want to be extreme and maldramatic, but all it takes is for somebody to put their hand on one of my children or my wife and say, renounce Jesus. And then I might say, okay, I will. You know, your love is weak. Peter said, Lord, I will never deny you. I'll never leave you. All of them say, let's go to Jerusalem. Let's die with them. But then Peter, he still denied him three times. Yeah, yeah, he got up and he, you know, he cut his ear off, but he still denied him. All of the disciples scattered when they came to arrest Jesus. Your love, though it is real love, hear me, it is weak love. And he does much with your weak love. Isaiah talked about this the other Wednesday when Jesus came to restore Peter. When you look up those words, Peter, do you love me? It's Peter, do you agape me? Unconditionally, The God kind of love. Yes, Lord, I phileo you. I love you like a brother. Peter, do you, a God paid me? Do you love me with the God kind of unconditional love? Yes, Lord, I phileo you. I do love you like a brother. Peter, do you fileo me? Do you love me like a brother? Yes, Lord. I love you like a brother. And then we see Peter in the book of Acts and he is the man. God can do much with your weak love, but I need you to understand that. Do you understand me? Because your heart carries the capacity that is naturally bent towards sin. Jesus said himself, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. Your heart has the natural capacity to sin to reject the Lord, to deny the Lord. So don't just say, Judas, how can you see all of that and still betray him? How can you see all of that and still betray him? Because it still happens, amen? Amen. But we don't have to live this way. Thank God for the word of God. Thank God for the blood of Jesus, for the spirit of God on the inside of us, amen? Amen. You can talk back to me, Amen? amen? Listen, so all the disciples are sitting around this table and they said, Lord, Lord, and then J- Judas' reply is rabbi. Rabbi means teacher. Lord means you're my master. You're my, you're my ruler. And so um, it's very common. It's very easy for us to have a head knowledge of God, but not make him Lord. I used to have a Christian band when I was in high school, and somehow or another, we needed some duplicates made for a CD that we had, and we ended up at this guy's house, I don't remember his name. I don't even know how we knew this. I don't know how we got there. I just don't know. High school is one big blur apparently. And so this guy, it was a lot of fun. I loved the Lord in high school and not like I do now. But anyway, this guy, he happened to be a Muslim. And um, my friend James, y'all remember the other, the other Sunday when John Brown was here, my friend James, this James, he's the guy in the store. And um, James was with me and James has always been zealous for the Lord. I, I, if you think I'm on fire for the Lord, you have no clue. Meet James Hobson. James said, We're gonna go in this man's house and I'm gonna get him saved. I hear he's a Muslim and we're gonna get him saved. I'm like, James, don't come in this man's house disrespecting him. Please no, he's a Muslim. Don't I don't know. I don't know what he got. And James was like, man, I'm, I'm gonna do it. Well, the, the the guy, he won't, he was, he knew just as much scripture in our Bible than we did We ain't know nothing. We just like, God loves you, man. And he's just like. Well, it ain't it ain't going to work. So anyway, what was profound about that interaction with that guy is that he says, oh, yeah, as an as a Muslim. Oh, yes, I know Jesus. He is an amazing teacher. He is a great prophet. And, like, and you don't want to serve him. He's like, no, because, you know, he believed what he believed. And it just it just it was profound for me, even at that age, to realize there are people who have. A ton of head knowledge i mean travis webb you in here travis where my man at travis webb and i and pastor rocky and i we decided this past friday we were going to go to white oak and we was going to preach the gospel and we did and we had a ton of fun but what the majority of the christians we encountered they knew all the lingo they knew yes i believe that jesus is the virgin born son i believe that he lived a sinless life i lived he i believe he died on the cross for my sins that he was risen from the dead that he's now seated at the right hand of God in heaven he's wonderful he loves me I said that's amazing have you do you live for him though and I was like no I live for me and him I said what and this is the majority of the Christians that that we encountered and um and it was just like you know I wasn't doing recon for my sermon but it just hit me like Look at all these believers by association. Look at all these believers by name only. Nobody loves them enough to tell them, hey, you're still living for yourself. I know you believe all the head knowledge, you believe all the facts, but this knowledge has to drop down into your heart. And if it's in your heart, then your lifestyle looks a certain way. And I'm sure, and you know, people say, He loves me so much to send me to hell. I'm a good person. I do this, I do that. I was like, listen, I'm preaching the gospel to you today, but I could die tonight and probably go to hell because if i chose to live for myself and not make him lord he's only rabbi he's on, i have a revelation of jesus but not the revelation of lord that makes me bow my knee to him then what good is that and this is where judas was he had a revelation of jesus but he didn't have the one that mattered you have to, to make him lord and savior young people he has to be lord and savior. Amen. So to the person that ranks with Judas and that's just somebody who's not all in um, this person, when they see others pouring out or wasting on the Lord, um, they, they tend to think it's a waste. Does that make sense? Because it doesn't take all that. I can confess and believe I can Romans 9, this thing, and then I can go do what I want to do. And so when you do stuff like that, you'll go and you'll betray Jesus. So Mary comes and she pours to all the disciples are angry and Judas leaves and he goes to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. You don't have to go there, but I want to read this to you. Exodus chapter 21, verse 32 says, if the bull gores a male or female slave, the owner must pay 30 shekels of silver to the master of the slave and the bull is to be stoned to death. I'll say it again. If the bull gores a male or female slave, the owner must pay 30 shekels of silver. So Mary comes and she says, Jesus is worth this. Judas goes out and he says, no, he's worth the price of a dead slave. That, that's, what, that's, that's what that is. So Judas, he did not J- Judas says, they don't have the revelation of Jesus Christ as Lord. Therefore, they don't know his value. And if Judas represents the believer by association or name only, then why doesn't he have the revelation of Jesus as Lord? Why is he not a sweet smelling aroma to God? Because of his choices. He did not have to choose to do what he did. It's because of his choices. You have to make the choice today, people of God, to fully obey the Lord. Amen? We're going to keep moving. Let's look at the disciples. Uh, let's pay close attention to the disciples, because I believe most of us fall into this category of the disciples. I mean, the disciples, like they actually love Jesus, like the disciples, they actually left everything to follow the Lord. Like they they had skin in the game. You got skin in the game. It's not a lot of hands up, Pastor. I'm worried. Our to call is going to be huge today. You got skin in the game. You love Jesus. OK. All right. Is it funny? OK, here we go. Matthew 26, verse 8, it says, when the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why the waste, they asked. That word indignant, it's a big word, but it just means angry. And these are synonyms for angry. They were annoyed. These are people who love Jesus. And this woman comes, and she's serving the Lord. She's worshiping the Lord. And those that love the Lord, the disciples, they were angry. They were annoyed. They were furious, heated, incensed, irate, livid. Mad, resentful, they were scornful, they were boiling, bent out of shape, displeased, fuming, PO'd is what one them said, wrathful, and they were seeing red. You get the picture, how angry they were? Like they were they were mad. That's the, that's the equivalent of somebody who comes into a local church and they've been forgiven of much and therefore they love God much, and we go, it don't take all of that. They don't have to lift their hands that high. Oh, yes, I love the Lord. But no, you are just you're falling right in rank right here with the disciples and how they responded to the Lord in in, in that moment. Does that make sense? And so the disciples, they thought that this perfume was not being used for its intended purpose. I've already told you what the original purpose of it was. So they thought it wasn't being used for its intended purpose. And I have this saying that I say to my boys all the time. When you don't understand the purpose of a thing, you will misuse it. A shoe is not meant to hammer and nails, somebody gonna get hurt. Does that does that make sense? Uh, a picture frame off the wall is not used to play baseball with. Something is gonna get misused, abused, and hurt. And so this is what the disciples fell into. They didn't understand it's that the the purpose. And so we have to ask ourselves, what is the purpose of Christ in our life? To you personally, as an individual, what is the purpose of Christ in my life? And does Christ actually add value to my life? Does that make sense? So here's an example. Let's make it practical. If I am in need of healing. And I get this revelation that Jesus is a healer and he can keep me in divine health. Oh, that's the purpose of Christ in my life. If I am somebody who is bound up in addiction and my life is lived in in these cycles where I'm doing well and then I'm not doing well, well, I need a deliverer. And so Christ in my life, when I make that personal, when I start to live my life with that revelation that Jesus is my deliverer, then that is the purpose of Christ being fulfilled in my life. Does that make sense? So you have to ask yourself, when you came to faith in Jesus Christ, what is it that he delivered you from? What is it that he saved you from? Because if you are ungrateful if you are unthankful if you should forget all that the lord has done that's why i love that song i'm still overwhelmed by your goodness after all these years you might have been walking with the lord for 45 years but after all these years i'm still overwhelmed because i know how bent on hell i was i'm still overwhelmed because i know that without him i would be in the pit thanks be unto god he's redeemed my life from the pit we have to realize that, you know how people say, um, now that you know better, you got to do better. I can make that real spiritual. I can say that you're supposed to live at the revelation of God that you have. So if you know better, you got to do better. I, right there, right there. Move me in the middle. If you know better, you have to do better. And so the disciples thought the pouring oil on Jesus was not the best use. And this is still a prevailing attitude among many believers today. No one could would ever audibly confess that Jesus isn't what you just wouldn't say that out loud. We'd stone you. But we do confess that with our actions. We pick and choose what we will give to the Lord and when we'll give it to the Lord and how we'll give it to the Lord. Jesus says the people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain and their teachings are merely human rules i want to introduce to you this idea of selective sacrifice versus a lifestyle of sacrifice selective sacrifice or a person who lives like this um they pick and choose what they do and what and what they won't do like i they choose it's they will choose themselves every time so i have a choice to lift my hands in worship or i don't well i'm gonna choose to not i have a choice to go out and share my faith but I'm not. I have the choice to wash the dishes for my wife, but I'm not. Selective sacrifice. It's all about you. And then there's the lifestyle of sacrifice. And this person, they constantly examine and they acknowledge the worth of Jesus and they live in response to his worth. So I don't feel like washing dishes, but you know what? Jesus is worth it. I don't feel like getting up early to seek his face, but Jesus is worth it. I don't feel like walking white oak on a friday night and it was hot but jesus is worth it i don't feel like coming to church on time but jesus is worth it i don't feel like reading my bible but jesus is worth it i don't feel like giving money to that panhandler because who knows what he's gonna do with my money it's not about him jesus is worth it the lifestyle of sacrifice constantly examines and acknowledges the worth of jesus you don't look at your wife and say you're not worth it because it doesn't matter. The worth of Jesus, I'm going to wash dishes. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Praise God. This type of living makes you look at the life of Jesus, which is the way of lowliness, humility, servanthood, and selflessness, and prompts you to give your best in that moment, in that moment, to the Lord and to others. So, Matthew 16, verse 21 through 23. I want to just, it's an example to pull, bring it all together. Um, this is where uh, Peter has the revelation of Jesus. Concerns. The person involved in selective sacrifice has merely human concerns. And human concerns are thoughts of self. The person living a lifestyle of sacrifice has in his or her mind the concerns of God. Amen. Not too long ago, uh, me and Keisha were putting our, our kids to bed and, um, I, you know, I, we I had read to them um, Luke 18, just the parable about the the rich young ruler. And, you know, the story of the rich young ruler, he says, Jesus essentially says, sell everything you have and come follow me. And the the guy went away sad. And so um, I looked at my kids and I said, listen, if the Lord asked me and mommy to sell everything and go live in a cave, we would do it. And Levi was like. And he looked over at Keisha, and he said, is that true? She said, yeah, as the Lord said. And then um, I said, you know, and my boys, they do gymnastics. They're really good at gymnastics. And so I said, hey, if the Lord asked you to give up gymnastics and, you know, do something else, would you do it? And he was like, yeah, like I would. I was like, praise God. So then I look at Ryder, and Ryder loves his video games. He loves board games, too, but he loves his video games. And um, he loves Mario. And um, don't tell Levi, but he's way better at Mario than Levi. Um, and so anyway, I said, Ryder, if uh, if the Lord were to ask you to give up your game and give it away, would you? And, he, and he's laying on the bottom bunk and I'm looking over at him. So he's looking up like that and I could see his mind, his thoughts just. And this joker really started to count up the cost like. And. Um, maybe i don't know 30 seconds a minute had passed i'm like snap out of it and he comes back and he goes yeah yes i would and i was very proud but the point is sacrifice isn't easy we don't like the road of humility we don't like to give up we don't like to put ourselves under so that god can exalt Does that make sense? And so I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may win Christ. And I just want to tell you as you begin to walk with the Lord and, and really strive to be obedient, He's going to ask you for things. He's going to ask you to lay down some things. It might be some relationships. It might be entertainment. It, who knows what it might be? But nothing that you lose for His sake is worthy to be compared to what you gain in Him. It's not worthy. There's no measurement. Um, mm, 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 mm. Past some running out of time. Okay, listen. The disciples—they loved the Lord and they wanted to be used by the Lord, and that's—and that's what the the whole issue with the perfume was. This is a waste, and so when we say waste, some people think of it in a negative sense. But waste could be like in a negative sense, like he wasted his entire childhood partying and drinking. It's a negative sense, but wasting on the Lord is a positive thing. It's—it's it's a good thing, and so um, that's why they were. It was an issue of being useful, is what I want to say. We could have taken this oil and we could have done something more useful with it. That's that's pretty much what they were saying. And so the issue with all of us is that we want to be used. We make ourselves readily available to be used by God. But God is only satisfied when we have wasted all on him. Notice I said on him and not for him. Doing for him ministering for him it is not the same thing as being with him does that make sense and I know you probably don't realize it but like I mean I I, it stuck out like a sore thumb to me that even this morning probably because I knew I was doing this but as we begin our time of 8 a.m prayer in the back before Pastor Mitch began to lead us in prayer he goes on and says Come on, let's worship the Lord. Lord, we bless you. Lord, we thank you. We began, before we began to even pray for what we wanted to see happen today, we ministered to him. A lot of times we pray and we just like, I just don't feel the presence of God. And it's not about feeling the presence of God anyway, but it could just be because you're in there for you. You want to, when, when, when you spend time with the Lord, ask him how he's doing. I tell the Lord all the time, I say, Lord, if nobody has told you today that they love you, please know that I do. Please know that I love you. And then before I go into just praying for everything in my day, I just pray in the spirit for a little bit. Lord, where do you want to pray? You can use me. Do we need to pray for somebody on the other side of the country? Do we need to pray for this family, this need? Like, what's on your heart? What is the concern of God this morning? And I pray. I pray. And then when I, when we get through that, then I'll say, all right, Lord. These are these are concerns of mine. And then he dresses them. He addresses them and give you context with that. Jesus says the most important um, law is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. The second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. A lot of times we get it backwards. Doing for God is not the same thing as being with God. So a lot of times I'm trying to meet this need right here, but I'm really ineffective at meeting this need right here because I haven't done this connection yet. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Here's a, here's a quote by Watchman E. Nee, that my usefulness should be brought to the full is not what the Lord is after. But his concern is rather with my position at his feet and my anointing of his head. What I have as an alabaster box, the most precious thing, my whole life, I give it all up to the Lord. It seems as if it is a waste, but that is what he is after. And then that leads me to our, to our last point, Mary Bethany. She, is, this, she has the heart posture that we should all desire to have. And um, this isn't the first time that we see her. We see her in Luke chapter 10. She's at the feet of Jesus. Her sister Martha is running around frustrated trying to make preparations and Martha says Lord don't you care that she's left me to do all this by myself and the Lord says uh she's chosen what's better and I'm not going to take that from her it is better to minister to the Lord did you hear what I just said I won't take that from her and then we see her again in John chapter 11 in the midst of heartbreak and turmoil as her brother Lazarus has has died she comes and she falls at his feet just like we saw her do in Luke chapter 10 when, at, in Martha's house and um, let's read this account of the alabaster box in Mark 14 it says hmm. while he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper a woman came with an alabaster jar a very expensive perfume made of pure nard she broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head some of those present were saying indignantly indignantly to one another why this waste of perfume it could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor and they rebuked her harshly leave her alone said jesus why are you bothering her she has done a beautiful thing to me the poor you will always have with you and you can help them anytime you want but you will not always have me she did what she could she poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial truly I tell you wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world what she has done will also be told in memory of her so what stands out to me in this one is the fact that she broke the jar if you don't break the jar that means you can you have the option of withholding when you give for the Lord when you do unto the Lord it's everything it's distraction-free zone. It's, Lord, you are the one thing that I desire in this moment, and I'm going to pour it all out on you. And this is what this is what we need. We just need to be broken for the Lord. It's, it's not, I'm going to save some a little bit later. God, I'm going to give you just a little bit of my energy here, a little bit of my time here. It's no, Lord, in this moment, how can I respond? In this moment, I'm going all in. Are we praying? I'm going all in. Are we worshiping? I'm going all in. What? soup kitchen feeding the hungry i'm going all in all in and so this is this is what this is what we see and so um mary did what she did for jesus it wasn't done half-heartedly and it wasn't done on a whim like i said she had spent time in proximity to jesus sitting at his feet hearing his words in the midst of turmoil so not just when everything was good when things were bad martha came out lord if you had been here My brother wouldn't have died. Mary comes out and she gets on her knees. She says the same thing, but the heart posture is completely different. And this is this is this is what we're missing. A lot of times we're so enamored with doing things for God. We are so enamored with the things of God that we just miss God. We just we just we just miss God. Like, yeah, like if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Like that was the depression, the pressing, excuse me, concern that she had. But more so than that, how can I just submit myself? In the midst of heartbreak, how can I submit myself? In the midst of turmoil, how can I submit myself? They're threatening to evict me. How can I submit myself to the Lord right now? They're going to turn off the lights in my house. How can I submit myself to the Lord right now? Everything is going wrong. How can I yield to the plans and purposes of God in my life right now? And this is that's not what we do. Most of the time, everything's going wrong, and we talk to everybody except the Lord. And so, you know, I can relate. In 2013, I know some of you have heard our story before, but we got a lot of new family. Um, You know, in 2013, I have three kids that you see here, um, but I have two in heaven. Um, In 2013, my wife and I had a miscarriage. We don't know if that baby was a girl or boy. We just choose to call that baby, Baby Davis, And um, then later that year, we conceived and we got pregnant again and we carried Grayson was his name for 37 weeks. And so you were talking about somebody who was just me. I can't speak for her. I won't speak for her, who is angry at the situation, angry at God. I mean, Lord, your word says that you can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Why didn't it happen? Because this is what I thought. Why didn't you do extremely higher than that? And um, just a time of heartache. Just you're talking about just hurt. But what I here's I submitted myself to the Lord. And what I found out is that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, And that was enough. It still is enough for me. It still is enough for me. So you're here and it's not right. Things aren't perfect. You thought your life would look a certain way. By now, you may have lost a spouse. You may have lost your parents. You may have lost children. You may have your life. You, I don't know. It, but when I found out that he's near to the brokenhearted, not just because I read it, but I experienced it. Now, every hardship I find, I find, That I can look back at my life and what he did for me back then and is still doing, but I can look at what he did back then and I can persevere. I can say the purposes of God in my life are much more outstanding than this pain. The purposes of God in my life are far greater than any level of discomfort. The purposes of God being fulfilled in my life his kingdom coming and his will being done and whatever it is that he wants to do whatever small my new part i can play in it he is worthy of it